Hello everyone, Future Dave here. Just to let you know, you can support the show by going to patreon.com slash emnetwork. We really appreciate all your support, and we hope to see you with more episodes in the future. Now on with the show. Welcome back, everyone. This is uh, Exo Friends, an Exo Squad podcast on the Elder Millennial Network. The, that's a mouthful, isn't it? The uh, this is we're, today we're covering Fall of the Human Empire Part Four Blitzkrieg. Um, uh, I'm David Hoyt, uh, and I am joined by Kayvon Fashami. <laughs> You're not going to say anything else about yourself. I mean. <laughs> I mean, it's episode four. You guys know me by now. Uh, I'm a guy. I live in a place. I went to a school. Uh, right. <laughs> I catches you up on 37 years. We do stuff. There it is. All right. And I'm Lexi. And uh, I don't know. My role this week is just to be a roly-poly turkey girl. Because we just celebrated Thanksgiving. And uh, yeah. Two times. Yeah. <laughs> May we all be roly-poly turkey girls in this troubling time. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. Uh, uh, I gotta let the but... cat out quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Have some cat well, shenanigans going on over here. I'm glad we all survived Thanksgiving. Uh, it's touch and go this year. You know, it's uh, everyone, everyone we know and love could be infected and probably not show symptoms. But the ones who do, I feel really bad for them. <laughs> Yeah, no shit, man. Yeah, yeah, definitely been a definitely been a weird year. Although I guess not for some people. Apparently, uh, Denver Airport here was like at capacity. Is everybody's just like trying to travel right now? Oh yeah, someone someone in um, a Discord that I'm part of linked air traffic numbers, and it was absurd. It's like mm-hmm. all going places. Right, right. It's just it's like we're never gonna. This is never gonna be over until like. 250 million Americans have bought this fucking thing and like, I don't know what, three or four million are dead. Yeah, it's not going to fucking matter how good the vaccine is because we're never going to yeah. have enough. Right. Like, right. I, I, and that's actually a question I have coming up with, not to already diverge the podcast, but we all know what's going on right now. Like, what if I've been thinking, like, if you've or if you've got it, can you get the vaccines that are currently being developed? I have no idea about it yet. It's like there's a lot of questions. I, I'm I really try not to fall into the anti-vaxxer crowd, but like there's a lot of questions circling in my brain about about what's going to come down the line here. Right, I'll probably, right. I'll probably get it is if I'm if I'm convinced by the CDC and you know people who supposedly have our best interests at heart that this thing is going to work for us and be safe. But right, it's still scary. Right. Well, because there's a big difference between like a vaccine that goes through tons of testing and gets like all kinds of approval and whatever before it goes out to the public or something that's like 
tried and true and time tested like the MMR vaccine or something, right? Like generations of people have been getting that. And contrary to what a few smooth brains think, like it doesn't actually like hurt you. Um, but then this is something that's like going to be rushed through FDA approval in a couple of weeks. It's done so far, like what one clinical trial or one, one trial rather. And like the, uh, the populations on those in terms of people who get infected is pretty low. So who knows, man, like, and there's no guarantee that this will even prevent you from being able to spread the virus. Like you might not get sick, but you might still be able to carry the virus around and spread it. So it's no guarantee that you can like, we can all still go out and do stuff. Yeah. Also, and, sorry, a uh, cat aggro in the background. That's okay. He's always <laughs> welcome. You're always welcome. Uh, and, you know, if we want to be clear, folks, we're <laughs> medical professionals. <laughs> like, Don't take our advice. No, not at all. <laughs> I, am, I am not a... I am not a vaccine doctor. I'm not any kind of doctor yet. So, yeah. Yeah. Definitely not that kind of doctor. And, and like, it's a, I don't completely understand and haven't completely read up on it, but from what I've been hearing, it is a relatively new technology in vaccination methods. And it is. Like, ah, like, thank God we have this new technology thank Yeah. And we'll be able to use it for hopefully some good, but it's still like, you know, I, I, I probably use the terrible analogy of like video games nowadays. Don't buy video games on release. Wait till they're patched. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I know how I feel about it. And I'm like militantly anti anti-vaxxer. Yeah. Uh, well, back back to the wonderful world where nothing bad ever happens of ExoSquad. <laughs> where everything is bright and cheery. It's a utopia, really. It's I mean, it's a utopia if you like your cities burning down around you, I guess. Right. Yeah, right. That might be fun. Oh, we were watching, so we were re-watching episode or the the part four episode here today. And um uh did notice that like all the guards on the um Resolute all have face shields on. Like they're all like, you know, for no other reason. Like, are you guys like, like taking your like precautions, doing your social distancing? Yeah, it, it reads very differently in this context. <laughs> why, why do you think that? Do you think like that actually offers protection? Like, if, if I got shot in the face by an exo squad laser, would that thing make it bounce off? I, I mean, maybe it's like because they're like MPs more or less. So, like, a real problem with like people spitting in their faces when they're trying to arrest them. I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, hey, whatever works, right? Mm -hmm. well, but uh, shield. <laughs> uh, so, so I the notes that like you you brought up, Kayvon. This this I'm pretty sure this episode taught me how to spell the word Blitzkrieg because uh, <laughs> not a common word I spell. Uh, but we're 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 jumping right in, and it goes into. That we we go to the Neo Sapien fleet where Phaeton is getting a report from all his generals, and I think these are the three main ex or uh, Neo Sapien generals that we ever meet: Shiva, mm -hmm. Typhonus, and Draconis. Draconis, yeah. Which again, Neo Sapiens coolest names, like they always get the best ones. Um, and I think they're all based on some kind of mythology. Obviously, Shiva is. Yeah. A reference to Hinduism. I hope I'm getting that mm -hmm. right. Wikipedia, please don't make a fool out of me. Uh, <laughs> and like they all have like these themes behind them, like Shiva, the god of destruction, destroyer of evil, lord of meditation, and yoga. 
<laughs> Angio, good. <laughs> I really, I really want to picture General Shiva in that outfit, like trying to do, like trying to, because his legs are really long. Do you think he can hold them up and grab them with his feet and do that pose? Like, yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think well, he grabs it with his feet too, so that would probably actually help him do even more yoga. Yeah. I think he could do a really good like downward dog. <laughs> Just he's probably he's probably as tall as me in downward dog. Like, <laughs> like his butt would be at my eye level. Well the, the Neosapiens, I don't want to be weird, but like Neosapiens all seem to have like great booty as well. So I'm sure they are doing a lot of yoga, Pilates, like they're working out. You can tell. Nothing but squats all day long. Yeah. Just like <laughs> they're setting records every day. <laughs> so we, we just we were talking about Shiva and I wanted to I wanted to talk about the other two generals. Uh, first off, their outfits are really great. Um, mm. They're very colorful and like they look they look gigantic in them, even bigger than other Neosapiens. Maybe that's how they yeah. like structure the hierarchy the bigger they are the better they are like um, <laughs> so we we got shiva we've got typhonus who is on the ship with phaeton and the only thing i could find about his name is it it derives from typhon the serpent who the serpent titan who tried to overthrow zeus and weirdly tied to me since mm. i used to live in sicily uh, he was buried underneath Mount Etna. Oh, no way. Yeah, I thought that was really neat. Uh, yeah. Like, when, uh, like, there was some, there's some stories about when Mount Etna erupts, it's him, like, trying to get out. So that's awesome. Yeah. Neat. And if, uh, just pro tip for any parents who live near a volcano, don't ever tell them that the volcano is going to get them someday because they'll live in terror of it for the rest of their lives. <laughs> Your parents that, rule. I love that, so that actually much. wasn't my parents. That was my big brother who told me that. The last general is uh, Draconis, and I, uh, Shiva is on uh, Earth, and Draconis is on Venus. Right. And uh, Draconis, I think, is based on the the idea of the constellation of Draco, which inspired the dragon that Hercules killed to get some golden apples. Or possibly a dragon who was slain by the goddess Minerva and then thrown into the sky. Who And when he was thrown into the sky, he froze in a contorted position over the North Pole. And that's how they got the constellation. That's boss of shit. I had no idea. Yeah. yeah like, awesome. That's what like, I love these names. Like They, they all have these cool, uh. like, double hidden meanings. They, um it's almost as if writers have talent and they like what? more stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like put those degrees to use. <laughs> right? One dude on the writing staff has like a Greek uh, has a Greek history degree and he's like, finally right. a chance to shine. <laughs> right. I knew this classics or, degree would be worth something someday. Uh and I, I couldn't help but really like think about how. Typhonus being the second in command on the ship with Phaeton is really in stark contrast to Marcus. Like he seems competent uh, and useful. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think that's like, that's the, for me, I think like one of the kind of key distinctions at this phase in the war between the humans and the Neo sapiens, because it's like the humans are kind of spoiled. Haven't really had to do very entangle occasionally with some pirates, which they're bad at doing even that. 
Um, and then, but the Neo Sapiens, you know, like a lot of them are veterans of the uprising because they live a really long time. They're, you know, determined, they're angry, they're ready. Like this is their moment to shine. Um, and they caught like a slovenly humanity napping. And as this episode, you know, makes pretty clear, they're also basically Nazis, so they're very efficient. <laughs> yes, there's also that. Very good at what yeah. they do, I guess. <laughs> so we can we can get into that later, but uh, you know, the the title of the show kind of gives it a the yeah. of the episode. Well, they also had that good line that the the final solution to the human problem, right? That's oh yeah, say that in this episode. Uh, and during this scene. I, I couldn't help but feel bad for that one pilot who tries to stop Draconis and for some reason like loops around and flies at him. And Draconis just like is apparently so good at using his E-frame that he catches the jet in a giant clamp and kills the guy. Like, <laughs> why would you get that close? It's got a giant clamp. <laughs> I mean, there are, there are a lot of questions that I have about this episode. That is not something I noticed, but yeah, there's, Again, like rewatching it, there's all these little details that are amazing, and then there's all these little details. And you're like, why? Like, what? Who made this decision? This is great. And you get you get a little bit of a feeling for the the relationship between Phaeton and Draconis, because Draconis is like really cocksure about his about his uh, occupation of Venus, and mm -hmm. Phaeton's like, yes, my plans are working wonderfully, Draconis. Don't forget <laughs> that. Yeah, typical CEO brain. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, yes, my underpaid workers. This is my wonderful doing. <laughs> who's, who's the bigger monster? Phaeton or a uh, top 10 tech CEO? Oh, All yeah. right. Definitely yeah. the CEO. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like Jeff Bezos probably has more concrete and horrifying plans for world domination than Phaeton ever did. I think I already knew the answer because of your current screen name, Lexi, Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Uh, yeah. And I mean, as a South African, I do kind of want to apologize for Elon Musk, but I feel like, you know, Canada should also take responsibility. Um, yeah. If me way more evil than Phaeton. Yeah, we 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 uh, we got some good Elon Musk stuff the last episode. We also, I also, as I was editing it, realized like I said a bunch of wrong shit, like how <laughs> how many how many jets can fit on an aircraft carrier, and I'm sure like there's going to be some some one <laughs> in the comment section at some point who's like, uh, well, actually, aircraft carriers can hold up to like between 60 and 100 air fighter or fighter jets and uh, <laughs> it's more than two dozen so you got that wrong mr dave I'm like okay thanks like, yeah okay thanks aircraft carrier nerd <laughs> these imagine these imaginary commenters in my head are always the worst people yeah it's like oh sorry i'm too busy having like human relationships to know exactly how many aircraft <laughs> like aircraft air, aircraft carrier can hold that's toxic these people have <laughs> wonderful and fulfilling lives. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I did notice how Phaeton like doesn't let anyone else take credit for like their work, um, and he's just so cocksure. And like that theme of destiny comes up again, which you know, like rewatching, you just start to notice all these little details and that. The idea of like destiny is the through line for Phaeton. Like this is how destiny is a race 
um, this is my destiny as a leader. Yeah, it's really, really interesting. Right, which again is like, you know, there's some of your Nazi parallels because like, you know, the whole idea of destiny was really like tied up in the notion of not just even Nazism, but German racial nationalism more broadly, like over the course of its entire life is like this notion of the German people have this world historical role to fulfill where they'll like sweep away the old order and bring something new into being that'll like transform not just Germanness, but like humanity itself. Like um, back to the earliest days, like earliest origins of German nationalism, that's like a big thing. Yeah, so serious Nazi vibes in this episode. The the last thing I wanted to say about that scene was like just them showing the the destruction of all the earth monuments and Phaeton talking about installing, you know, order and to end the chaos and it's all it's all pretty pretty tough imagery for a kid's show um <laughs> right yeah i remember being like not like distress is probably too strong a word but like something like you know whatever like a lower lesser form of distress would be watching that as like an 11 year old it's like damn like they're blowing up all earth what's going on yeah <laughs> this is this is not the happy-go-lucky cartoon i signed up for this is awesome right? <laughs> right, right. Like it's like holy crap! So like a million people are dead. Like literally a million people are dead. This is nuts. And I, I will say I, I really like that it's um, Earth is Earth, not just like America. Uh, like they show. I mean, obviously, again, you know, it's like where's Pakistan or uh, Namibia, but they show like Rio de Janeiro, the Taj Mahal getting blown up. Uh, right. Was it the Washington Monument? Obviously, no. Nah, it's Congress. It's a Congress. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't sorry. know what <laughs> buildings are. <laughs> Going to DC, it was miserable. Um, but yeah, like the, I don't know. Just I guess those are all like really iconic places that children might recognize. But I like that they did at least show like different parts of the world. It's not just US centric. Right. right. Yeah, actually showing that other places exist besides the United States. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But we go back. Now we're back to the Exo fleet. And Marcus is in charge because Winfield is in a coma. And uh, he's getting frustrated with his communication equipment because he can't contact Earth after they got that warning. Uh, he throws Marcella off the bridge for being a Neo Sapien. JT JT is like what the fuck, but Marsala calms him down because Marsala's got a real cool head. Um, and but then JT to offers Maggie's expertise to fix the communications, so uh, so they can hopefully get in contact with Earth. And Maggie gives like a little blush. She's like, oh no, I'm me. <laughs> but she is that good. She does fix it. Don't yeah. doubt yourself, Maggie. Don't doubt yourself. Right. Um, we get to we get to uh, Nara, who is throws a fusion pack, which, from what I understand, is like a small nuclear reactor. And yeah, they <laughs> blow shit up with them all the time in later episodes. But she she's worried about her family, so she's obviously frustrated. And Marzella just shows up, and he's like, "Lieutenant Burns, throwing fusion packs is inadvisable." <laughs> it's such a it's such a funny moment because she's like the hot headed human. Uh, and he's just like this cold, rational, masculine blue dude, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I just, I love that. The kind of dynamic between the two, though, is really sweet. So it's yeah. nice to see them like play off each other like that. Right. Uh, playing, playing into old 90s tropes. Lieutenant Burns, the smartest, most capable blonde in cartoons? Maybe. I mean, yeah, probably. 
I mean, she is like, because even this moment is like pretty, even from what you've seen of her so far and what you'll see of her later, for her to lose her cool like that is pretty uncommon. Yeah. Yeah. You know? But Nora says to Marcella that he couldn't possibly understand what she's going through, but he's like, no, I have a family larger than you can ever imagine because of how Neosapiens are born. And I'm just as concerned for them as you are for your family. Right. And, and you know, wow. <laughs> way to call uh-huh. way to call me out, Marcella. Now I feel <laughs> even more like shit. <laughs> she, I mean, I think again, like this is a really great moment. And watching it for the first time as an adult, I think as I said in the last episode, when JT tells Nara, like, well, you know, he doesn't really have emotions, like he can't really feel the way we feel. Um, and my kind of gut instinct was like, well, that's just that seems kind of fucked up. Like, how do you know that he doesn't have feelings? Maybe he just expresses them differently. And so this scene is like a counter to that little bit in the last episode because he does show that he does have emotions, but he just expresses them in a different way. And he's not, he might not be hot-headed or fiery or like uh, dramatic about it, but he still feels things and he still cares deeply. Um, and I think she realizes that in that moment because she puts her hand on his shoulder as well. It's really cute. Right. Well, and it's like kind of the tragedy of them, right? Because they don't have that outward expression. And it's like, so he feels all these things, but does he even have an outlet for it, right? Right. And then doesn't he have like a little line at the end of the scene too, where she's like, oh, I had no idea. And he's like, you couldn't, you couldn't possibly have or something like that. Yeah. He turns it around on her. He's like, you know, you, you, you can't. Well, you think I can't comprehend how you feel. It's really that you can't possibly comprehend what I'm going through. Right. Which is the first little, like, subtle indication of his, like, despite the fact that he's 100% loyal to the Exo Squad and 100% in the service of, like, regular humanity, like, that's, like, the first little nod that he still is, like, a kind of Neosapien freedom guy, writer, or whatever, you know? Yeah. Because he also says, like, you know, I have, whatever, hundreds of brothers and sisters um, and I might have to face them in battle soon, you know, or like I might have to see them on the battlefield. It was also right. a compelling moment for me. I was like, oh shit, like, yeah, what is his, uh, what is his investment in the human project that he's decided to potentially go up against his own like siblings and family? And think about so, it, think about an alternative take on his time in the Exo Fleet. What if he wasn't part of Able Squad with a good leader like JT and accepting squad mates like he has. What if he was part yeah. of a squad where like the commander was super fucking racist towards Neo Sapiens? Would he be as loyal? I yeah. wonder, you know, it's a good question. And I think like, cause I think from Marsala first things first, the thing is the thing, when the thing he always talks about when he talks about, and he mentions it too, uh, at one point in this episode is like, it's his oath, right? Like the oath is the most important thing to him. And so I think, like, he's such a boss that he actually would just put up with it um, and just deal with it because he made the oath and there's no going back. He might be miserable. He might hate it, but he would still, but, and, you know, he might not perform as well as he does, but I think he'd still put up with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, Maggie ends up fixing the console by jerry-rigging it in some some way. She talks about how, you know, it'll either work or explode. Don't stand too close. <laughs> And it, it works. They they make contact with some outposts. Uh, the supposedly a small Earth orbit, little like communication station. 
And the the guy who's been broadcasting trying to reach the exit fleet is tells them, or I don't think I don't think he can hear them, but he, they hear his message, where he conveys like how massive Phaeton's armada is, like it's bigger than the exo fleet by at least I think he says like at least twice as big or something like that. Um, and Mar Marcus is obviously out of his depth and he's like, well, that's it. We've got to fly as fast as we can to earth. And I don't, like, I feel like even Marcus couldn't be as dumb as JT points out what he's doing is right now because JT points out that the, the exo carriers are faster than everything else in the fleet and they're going to get there without all their support units. And if they do that, they're going to get toasted. Like they're going to get blasted. Um, and then Marcus is like, how fucking dare you? And he throws him in the brig for mutiny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can we just chat quickly? Sorry. Cause I'm looking at my show notes and I'm realizing, um, so the person that they contact, like that Maggie manages to get through has the weirdest accent. Yeah. I don't know if you know, it's like, we are being overrun. Our last defenses are collapsing on earth and Venus. Mars is already completely under Neo-Sapien control. Phaeton has tricked us. He wanted our forces to attack the pirates to get us away from the homeworlds. Then he attacked. The title for the show is Blitzkrieg, but my subtitle would be the episode with the weirdest accents. Because um, there's, <laughs> there's also a moment earlier where, like, Captain Marcus... Uh, sorry, in my mind, I just want to keep calling Captain Asshole. Um... He says, like, get off my bridge, but he does it in, like, a ready, like, get off my bridge. Like, he's <laughs> I don't know, like, southern Texan. I'm not sure what's going on there. And yeah, then the his, like, weird Texan accent, like, kicks into overdrive in that moment. It's it's someone doing a Texan accent mixed with, like, an old Western trope. Like, get mm -hmm. off my bridge. Yeah, like, <laughs> In my boot, you know, like, <laughs> this bridge is only big enough for the two or for the one of us, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, it's like literally that. And then this guy that they contact, I see for like a kind of it sounds like a white person trying to do like a Southeast Asian accent, I don't know, but that's or like he's like South, like South Asian, like he's trying to be Indian or something like that, yeah, yeah. Because the the it was like the name of the station too was like Rangoon Station or something like that, which Rangoon is in uh, Burma or Myanmar. I never know which one to call it, Burma or Myanmar, right? Like, oh, I didn't even uh, think about that. Yeah, yeah, it's like an orbital station, but it's named after that city, and so it's like I don't know if it's again their attempt to kind of like it's a global issue, and it's like okay, like there's other people being affected by this or what? Which but, I it's just the accent in particular really stood out to me. <laughs> it's very strong. Yeah. There's probably like one voice actor who's used for a lot of voices on the series, and they keep telling him to try to do different accents, and he can only really do like two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you reckon they came in and they're like, hey, George, I need you to sound like a poo from The Simpsons today. Oh, <laughs> I, but that it, that's true, especially back then. Like, this yeah. is right in that time where if you were a probably an Indian actor or, you know, a voice actor playing an Indian character. Everyone was like, try to sound like a poop. Yeah. 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 Oh God. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've come so far. 
well at least at least we're talking about it now <laughs> yeah that's true well yeah and like the guy that does a poo for the simpsons doesn't do a poo for the simpsons anymore right like he finally stepped down like a year or two ago good on him because he was the one who drove that it wasn't the people who make the simpsons it was him he was like listen i've i've heard what people say about this and i i agree with them like yes yeah, yeah. And, and you know it's one of those things where people will say like well you know you didn't care until someone pointed it out and yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, I didn't care about the train that was barreling down on me until I saw it. It's still going to get out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's just like, you know, in the 90s, we weren't thinking about shit like that. But we have progressed to some extent uh, in some areas of our culture. And it's, yeah, not not something that we uh, do. We should be doing anymore. And that and that progress is why we can look at a cartoon in the '90s and talk about each 25-minute episode for an hour. <laughs> exactly, and I actually like that. But uh, we Ania, now now we go to Winfield, who's in a coma and in the hospital uh, after his pantsless surgery last episode, and <laughs> uh, there's a Neo Sapien nurse watching over him. Mm. The this this weird this weird gender stereotype is that right for for neo sapiens i i I wanted to talk about this because my my gut reaction when you see the neo sapien nurse because she's uh she's got boobies and her face is drawn a little bit differently but like i mean i like that the the neo sapien women in the show don't have hair so they don't try to like super fem (laughs) super feminize them but they are obviously feminized and like my gut reaction was like, well, for a species that reproduces asexually, like why would you have two genders? But then <laughs> my like feminist double take was like, oh, well, actually this is pretty progressive because like from a trans feminist point of view, sex and gender, you know, don't match perfectly anyway. So like even if they reproduce asexually, maybe there's some sort of cultural thing where you can be whatever gender the fuck you want to be. Like, I don't know. This is me overthinking absolutely this TV show. Like, I doubt, <laughs> but this, I doubt anyone involved ever had these thoughts. But that's why yeah. we're here, though. We gotta we gotta <laughs> overthink this stuff so that future people making future content will be like, ah, yeah, maybe yeah. maybe there's something here. Um, so someday when we get the long-awaited and long-hoped for like updated remake of this series, we can have all that cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. The um, but so we well, you know uh, tinfoil hat time though. Because Marcus just threw Marcella off the bridge for being an Eusapian. Mm-hmm. But he knows that this nurse is looking after Winfield. Uh, do you do you think somewhere in the back of Marcus's mind he's hoping she's a plant and she's going to try and kill him so he can be the admiral? You know? That makes a lot I of sense. Think- Getting real Game of Thrones up in this up in this series. Like, I just yeah, thought... Man. She's obviously like the best nurse. She's just really good at her job, but that that makes a lot of sense too. <laughs> yeah, Marx would be the last person to assign the best nurse to her. Even if you're to even if he intended to do well, he's be like, uh, let's get the nurse like most responsible for like the most number of deaths possible, because that's gonna be the best tactical decision here. Yeah. But uh Winfield Winfield obviously has some like deep, deep like emotional, maybe like PTSD almost because he's trying to like give commands to the ships while he's in the coma. Like he's, he is, he is an admiral and that's all that he is. It seems like, um, right. 
Marsala visits Marsh in the brig to tell him that he's been assigned as his lawyer for <laughs> his upcoming mutiny trial, which like, why are we doing this now? Right. <laughs> you should probably wait until after you save the, the home worlds. Um, but you know, military tradition and all that. Uh, <laughs> I love, I love, I can't remember the joke that Marsh makes, but he, he makes some joke and Marsala's like, I don't understand. I think it was a joke, Marsala. Was it a funny one? <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> so I'm like, don't tell me you've been sent here for mutiny too or something like that. Oh, that's right. Yeah. No, yeah. Right. And Marsala's like, why would I be sent here for mutiny? It's like, it's a joke, Marsala. It's like, oh, was it funny? Well, don't tell me Marcus had you arrested too. Lieutenant, why would I tell you of something which has not occurred? It was a joke, Marsala. Was it amusing? I guess not very. <laughs> it's just like, so just, and I kind of, part of me thinks like, because Marcella is more emotionally intelligent than I think the humans give him credit for. I think most Neo-Sapiens are. And it's like, I wonder if he's like, yeah, I get that as a joke, but I'm just going to fuck with you anyway. <laughs> it's just like kind of put out how bad your humor is. He definitely understands sarcasm. So right. I could absolutely believe that right now he's just delivering the most straight pan sarcasm that you could possibly do. Right. Because there's like the part of him that's still like, you know, the Neo-Sapien uprising guy. It's like, or the Neo-Sapien like kind of like freedom fighter guy. It's like, I wonder if he just like, this is how he expresses his own like experience of living and working with humans is just like subtly messing with them. And just like knowing, it's like I'm actually smarter and more emotionally intelligent than all of you. I am smarter, stronger, live longer, <laughs> better looking, and have a great booty, <laughs> taller, booty, booty. booty. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Show us that Neo Sapien booty. Uh, <laughs> I, I want, I want a line of um, all of the unique Neo Sapiens in this show. Do like in a twerking competition, dude. Uh, you know what? Uh, and this is to all you fans out there too. If this takes off, what we should do is commission Nancy to do a like Neo Sapien like uh, swimsuit like calendar. Oh my god! Yes. Like, let me see that thong, but with like you know Marsala and Phaeton and like Typhonus and. I mean, there's 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 tons of shirtless Neo Sapien footage in this show for her to for her to run off of. I'm sure I'm sure oh, she yeah. could do it. Oh yeah. <laughs> Thirsty Neo Sapien podcast. Yeah. Like now we're getting into some right. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I'm Some here for. <laughs> that big blue energy. <laughs> yeah. BBE, I love it. <laughs> uh, so go go and go and again. This show just switches between locations super fast. Uh, we go yeah. back. We go back to Napier, who is helping refugees escape Chicago, and then they're all. Uh, presumably just slaughtered by Neo Sapiens. He's captured and taken to a prison slash labor camp. Um, and the, the warden uh, is talking about how they're all garbage and how they'll be better off this way. Really like whew, this again, going back to those Nazi vibes. Like, well, there's there's literal Nazi language in this scene, too, because he starts talking about, like, how work will be your deliverance and your freedom. 
Silence! No talking! Move! Get in line with the others! So, you are the brave Terrans. You are masters of the homeworlds, but no more! Like the dinosaurs, your time has passed. But our benevolent leader, Phaeton, will give you an opportunity to serve the new Neo-Sapien Order through hard work. Refuse this work, and we have a permanent solution to the human problem. Which is Abad Machfly, the, you know, like the slogan over the gates of Auschwitz, like work makes you free. And then he says, like, if you don't work, then we have a final solution to the human problem. Um, which, you know, of course, the, the Nazi line was the final solution to the Jewish question. Um, but it's like it's like literal Nazi references, which, you know, tied in with the name of the episode Blitzkrieg. I, I suspect someone in here, like, at least had done some, like, did a bit of historical reading and background on, like, German racial nationalism and the history of, like, Nazism and its intellectual foundations. I couldn't, I couldn't possibly fathom that someone came to this writing style and these lines <laughs> completely by coincidence. Right. <laughs> that, that, that's impossible. <laughs> yeah. It's it's uh, pretty heavy. Like, and as like a kid, you're like, oh man, this dude's evil. But it's like it's it's you know now watching it as an adult with the research background I have, it's like okay, like this is like very heavy-handed, like and in a good way, but heavy-handed like attempt to really emphasize like the kind of uh, uh thematic similarities here between like Nazism and and the Neo Sapien and Phaeton's vision of like the Neo Sapien New World yeah. Order. Yeah. Do you think do you think if this show had come out today? Um, there would be a backlash against this kind of, I wouldn't even call it subtext, this kind of overt Nazi references as being like insensitive right. or anything like that? I mean, Kayvon can probably speak to this as an expert, but just as like a lay person, I would say absolutely. Like the golden one would do a fucking YouTube video about yeah. SJWs yeah. and kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, 100%. Uh, for that, for uh, the listeners that aren't familiar, the golden one is a... Uh, really super weird looking Swedish bodybuilder who like posts loads of photos of him, like dressed as like a Spartan in like a loincloth with like the helmet, which is good because he is weird looking. I don't usually like to make fun of the way people look, but homie is like bizarre looking. Uh, and he's just like, he's like a white nationalist YouTube sensation. Oh um, my God. Yeah. Are you looking at pictures of him? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's really like, right. He's like super weird looking. Man, I hope this oh. doesn't awaken. I hope this doesn't awaken anything in me. Right, <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's not homoerotic at all, right? Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I think like there's a certain wing of Chan culture, yeah, that I think would like react to this and just be like, "Oh, SJWs and their politics and cartoons." Uh, I wish it was like the good old days when we didn't have politics, like in the early '90s when we had Exo Squad with none of its politics. <laughs> Nothing was political before 2002. Right. Right. The the well, I was I was really more thinking about it from like from not the shithead perspective, but from the like from the like you know you know it would would how would I say it would would Jewish communities be like okay or because the show holds it with such reference, I want to say no, they wouldn't do this. But would they be like, you're making light of these terrible tragedies that happened by putting it in a cartoon? I don't think it would 
I don't either. No, I, and I mean, I think like it kind of depends. Like, if the show were made today, I think it would depend on who's making it. But I think a certain a certain layer of um, like kind of Hollywood and like TV and film production that like that culture, I think, would be unable to resist making a Trump analog here. And I think that would actually probably overshadow any kind of Nazi stuff if it were made today. Um, honestly, I think to its detriment because like whatever Trump's a giant orange piece of shit or whatever, but like, it just feels like that's it. That's the most low hanging fruit in terms of like trying to discuss authoritarianism. Um, and so like, I think that would actually probably, the show wouldn't be as good, honestly, because you would probably get more of that. And that would like kind of rile up right wing people. But I feel like in general, if you, if you steer, if it were to steer away from like the sort of Trumpian focus and just like keep this like sort of like Nazis, Nazism and like an and early German national racial nationalism, like kind of those kind of themes. Um, I think like, cause that's that, I think that's a pretty safe punching bag. If you do want to go politically, cause like mainstream conservatism also, at least on the surface and agrees that like Nazism was a bad, right? Like they like to then also link it to communism and yada, yada, yada. And then you get a bunch of smooth brained, whatever. But like, um, I think for these people, People, it's more. I think like, like the online chuds that would be upset, but I think like overall, like Nazism still is a safe punching bag for U.S. politics and culture, as it should be. No, less oh of a God. good bad guy, right? Like he's a great bad right. guy. Whereas like Trump, the histrionics over his like villainy is at some point just like I mean, like not to say that he's not a giant piece of. Shit. Can we just talk quickly also about like the irony of making humans work at a ostensibly like a work camp where Napier gets to work on an exoframe. It's like, you don't, they really didn't think that one through, did they? <laughs> no, I mean, they don't want to do it, right? To get someone else to do it. I mean, but like, you can look at the back of Napier's neck and see he has the, the E-frame plugs and be like, maybe yeah. we shouldn't let this guy near the weapons. <laughs> yeah, he might be able to actually pilot this thing and get out because we apparently don't have any other E-frames in this camp. And that brings us to what happens next. He, uh, he, oh, wait, that doesn't, that, that's a little later in the episode, but spoiler, Napier escapes in an E-frame. Dun, dun, dun. Duh, that's ruined now. Yeah, no. no point in watching the show, you know, the big reveal. Yep. Oh, hopefully people are watching before they listen. Yeah, I know. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Phaeton is, informs the UN that, uh, he is here for their perfunctory declaration of surrender. And um, they do. Like, it's really a short scene. They're like, yeah, yep, yeah, you win. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, not much we can really do now. Oops. Yeah. Hey, uh, oh, if I was Phaeton, maybe the first thing I would have done just to be a huge dick was blow up that UN floating city. <laughs> right. Oh, just like no more that. leadership. Right. Uh, Nap Napier uh, back to Earth again, and this is this is where Napier escapes. Um, there's an old man in the labor camp with him, and it looks it, it seems to me like he's he's he like he can't keep up, and it seems like the Neo Sapiens are about to drag him away to execute him. And Napier uses the distraction to get in an E frame that was being serviced. It doesn't have any arms. It just kind of headbutts through the wall and walks through a fence. <laughs> right. <laughs> And All he, being shot like constantly. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, e-frames. Apparently, Neo Sapiens know how to build good e-frames. I guess. Sure. Um, and he gets away and falls into a sewer where he meets 
I'm not sure if they're resistance fighters yet or if they're just people who are hiding in the sewer. They're like yeah. resistance. Yeah, I think it's just like people who, you know, have a couple of guns and manage to get down into the sewers, right? Because they talk about like, oh, there's nothing we can do. We just kind of have to hide out here until they flush us out and kill us. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, these all of these people end up being like main the people that you Napier and these three people end up being mainstays of the series. Yeah. Uh, not not like able squad level characters, but you see them a whole lot, which is which is cool. I mean, just introducing people in this kind of organic way that you'll care yeah. about throughout the series is really right. good for building a show. Uh, and I can see here you also have in your notes like the diversity, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was. It, it, I mean, there's there's a a white woman, a Asian man. I yeah, Peter Tanaka. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, who looks who looks like a pirate? He looks yeah. he, he's dressed and doesn't quite sound like them, but has the same facial like hairstylings of the pirates that we've met so far. I think uh, that's because the pirates are coded Asian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> that's that. <laughs> a little, a little laziness. Pirate. It's like it's the other way around. A little oh. laziness on the show writer's part or the animator's part, but that's <laughs> that's definitely I think you're right. Um and then uh, Jinx. It was Mask. a simpler time. I was gonna say, like, uh he looks to me like he's supposed to be African American, right? Like he looks like a black person. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, I think that's right. Um cool names though. Like I yeah. I like I they're they they're unique and they stick in your head, I think. Especially especially Eve and her bowl haircut <laughs> i was gonna say she's got like a yolandi fissa kind of look going on i don't know who that is right uh <laughs> do you want to explain yolandi fissa uh from that so, so, oh god they're so problematic uh south african band called the antwood like which in america people call die antwood um wait are those the guys from the chappy movie yes yeah folks oh okay and i would like to apologize on behalf of all white Africans. <laughs> i liked chappie and them and them trying to convince me that hugh jackman was this nerdy dude wearing boot nerdy engineer wearing booty shorts all the time <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't seen I'm it afraid. but yeah <laughs> Would, would, if, just just look just look up just look up Hugh Jackman in Chappie and okay. he'll, he'll on it. About. He's wearing like bike shorts most of the movie, and he's, oh, he's still he's ripped from doing Wolverine. So like, it's just like I don't I'm not buying this I'm not buying this character at all. Uh, uh, JT's trial is underway back at the fleet. Um, Marcus is pushing for the death penalty and Marcel is doing a reasonable job at defending him. You know, he says that it's his duty to not obey or disobey orders that are criminal and immoral. And JT is obviously right that sending the fleet in to just die, to be splattered against the wall of the Neo-Sapien fleet is suicidal and it's going to kill everyone. Uh, but he does... You know the the tribunal who like I get the vibe that they're actually on JT's side, but they are a military tribunal, so they agree mm -hmm. with Captain Marcus. Mutiny in time of war, the penalty is death, and he's sentenced to death. Mm -hmm. Um, what the weirdest the weirdest thing I saw in this scene was the animation of like 
he has a glass of water and it's yes! wedding. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's just real steamy in there. <laughs> yeah, I kept thinking about WAP. I don't know. I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> like Ben Shapiro, wet ass water. Wet ass water. Right. <laughs> Your water is dry. It's not healthy to have a wet water. Oh my god! I assure, I assure you, Your Honor, my wife's pussy is never wet. Happy with you. The edge of the glass is just dripping for like no apparent reason. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe it's future tech and it's just constantly refilling itself. Uh, right. That's the only excuse I can come up with. Well, so at the end of that scene, too, or like at some point in that scene, it cuts to a close-up of Marcus's face while he's like he's shouting and he's also dripping. Like <laughs> it's just like pouring sweat down his face. And it's like, what is happening in this courtroom? It's like that gift from Key and Peel. <laughs> right. It kind of is though. Maybe they didn't have space in the ship. Like they had to make an impromptu uh, courtroom in the sauna. Mm. <laughs> Everyone's just dripping wet. This is yeah. nice. This is oh. yeah. Uh, the the floating camera is back, but where's Charles McKenna in all this? Did he, right, he's disappeared. It seems like this is prime Charles McKenna material right here. Um, the uh, J JT throws some real good shade where he's like, Admiral Winfield would never fucking do this. What? Why are you going along with this? And, you know, you're not wrong. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to talk about was JT's in his one his green onesie that has like this black ab panel for, <laughs> his, for his abs that just cannot be maintained or cannot be contained. Um, and the skin tight suit, again, you know, Members of the Exit Fleet, they're jacked. Like, All right, yeah. right. Well, I mean, if you're doing your like ab tightening Pilates on a regular basis, like you know, I get it. You want to accent it and show that shit off. He's put work in. He wants to make sure he's recognized for it. What well, JT? They don't. They don't actually address it, but it really takes them like four months to get back. And JT's doing like the Uncle Iro from from Avatar. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's like. Constantly doing just like ridiculous like sit ups and pull ups and like everything else. No, I'm gonna be ready. <laughs> All right. I just want to say one last thing about this scene, and I know this is just probably a little bit of a blunder with the animation, but there's one point where it looks like Masala is wearing like heavy eyeliner. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's I don't know. He was just like I need my eyes to pop in the courtroom. I want to be on fleek. Like <laughs> I'm gonna just put a big old. <laughs> Black eyeliner around this whole thing. No, Marcelo ro rocking the guy liner. I love it. It's yeah, great. pretty pretty seriously at that. It's wonderful. Well, he knew the camera was going to be there. He had to look good. Um, true. true. It's true. The uh, Napier's Napier's new crew though uh, is ready to ready to fight back, and they they take out a Neo Sapien E frame with basically the Ewok log trap using a steel girder. <laughs> right. um, and it, Napier is in this new outfit, and he is now, as, as tradition dictates, strapped with weapons. Uh, he's covered in grenades and guns. Uh, and the only person in this group who doesn't have any weapons is Eve. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> who gets who gets like they they drop this girder into the into the e- neo sapien e-frame which impales the e-frame but not the pilot somehow yeah and the pilot gets out and they start fighting hand to hand but he's a neo sapien so that's useless and instead of shooting him for some reason <laughs> right um, they're all armed to the t yeah and he does this real brutal move where he grabs the top of Eve's head and lifts her up by it. And you can hear him like crushing her skull. Like just thinking about that, like, oh, yeah, <laughs> guy, yeah, that gives me chills. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> then Napier Napier in with the clutch forklift move. Just if <laughs> that Neo Sapien wasn't dead before, he's dead now. And he just runs he runs into him with a forklift and crushes him into some debris. And right. like and then like and the he, forklift explodes and everything too. It's just like that guy is 100 percent dead. Like no question. It's just like mush. And b- before that happens, the Neo Sapien may as he's got Eve in his hand, he's like, I will crush you. Or I will crush the resistance or something like that. And he's yeah. just like, maybe the resistance will crush you, motherfucker. Right. Yeah. Although I think it would have been way sweeter if he like, as he's like about to ram him with the forklift, he's like, fork you, buddy, and jumps out. <laughs> if only. If only. Yeah, missed <laughs> uh, So many good puns that they could have done. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Well, you know, remake. Got those opportunities. Yeah. <laughs> Back up, back on Phaeton's flagship, um, Shiva is reporting to to him about what's going on on Earth, and he actually knows about what Napier's group just did, but they don't care because it's a single E-frame. So they just move on to continuing. They 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 know that the Exa fleet is coming and it's split up, and Phaeton's like, "What a fucking idiot! This will be great." <laughs> yeah, there's, right. after this, there's no way we can lose. And uh, Phaeton, like Phaeton, has a little bit of arrogance before this, but this is this is like way beyond the pale at this point. He's he's just so confident that he can't fucking lose that I think at this point is when he maybe starts making some mistakes. Right. Well, this is the moment where it's like because like okay, they triumph so quickly, so rapidly. That like I think this is like for him, this is evidence that like this is absolutely destiny. There's no possible way, like, you know, I've won he says it himself, like I've won. Like for him, he's already accomplished what he set out to do. Um, and that's like again, like the parallels with Hitler, you know, like the notion of like once he once he steamrolls France and like beats Britain back to the island, like it's you know, the sense of like, okay, well, I've like I've accomplished in a couple of months what the second right was not able to do in four years and like lost um and like you know then goes on this thing like then buys deeply into the myth of german invincibility and all the rest of it and like it's just like like really really draw that parallel really starkly i think mm-hmm. yeah J, uh jt is now enjoying his last meal of uh military <laughs> rations and he's munching on some kind of like orange bar and I, yeah. and I went through all the ideas in my head of what that could be. Like, is it like, is it like a protein bar? Is it a candy bar? But he spits it out like it's gross. He's just, Bleh. yeah. He said <laughs> on the floor. R rations or something. Yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't take the time to look up if R rations is actually like a term for something, um, or if he was saying our rations. 
I mean, maybe actually, yeah. They, um, but he spits that thing on the floor, and there's probably some janitors like, God damn, fuck you. Uh, <laughs> right? I'm glad you're getting executed, you piece of shit. That's why the MPs have to wear those like face shields because people just spitting food on the floor and shit. Like, that's right. He could have, uh, JT could have done some real damage, or just spitting that <laughs> in some guard's face, like, Patooey. <laughs> <laughs> And they start they start dragging him away and like again, is this the right time to be doing this? Right. And obviously it's not because the battle starts. And they're like, oh shit, who could have seen this coming? <laughs> right. Like, oh no, there's a giant Neo Sapien fleet ahead. I wish we had some kind of warning that this existed. If only someone would have spoken up. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I like JT's again, like his dry uh, kind of sense of humor. Cause when he's like, he spits it out, Patui, and then gets up and he's like, I wouldn't want to be late for my own execution. Like, uh, it's kind of cheesy, but his little like quips and yeah. is. He's real glib about the whole situation. Like, he, right. like yeah. I said, it actually took them four months to get here and he went through all the stages of grief and he's just at acceptance now. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think, he, and he's just like he's stoic to the last, right? Because that's like his like his key character trait is stoicism. So he's just kind of like, yeah, okay, whatever, let's do this. This is happening. Get it over with. Don't waste any bullet, right. more bullets than you have to. You're gonna need them, right? And also, like, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. You. No, 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 you're fine. Well, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, uh, just an update on the death counter. At this point, we're at nearly five thousand deaths. Like, you know, my my counter is up to four thousand seven hundred and seven people have died on screen. <laughs> um, did you count the? Uh, so that was what I was gonna bring up. Is did you count the exo carrier that gets annihilated right at the start of this battle? Yes. Yeah, I got. Okay. I was just say, yeah, that's got to be the big jump then, because it's like I don't know how many people are on it, like a, an exo carrier, so not just like a capital ship, but like a fucking like. You know, one of these floating cities. Yeah, there's know. at least hundreds of pilots, and I can't imagine how many other support staff. Right. So ships are massive when you look at them compared to the rest of the fleet. And it's like, there's like six of them, right? Like, Marcus is like, oh, yeah, there's only six. And so it's like, right off the bat, like, you're down one of your six ships. Oops. So so I when I look at those ships, you know, the, the, the comparison is always Star Wars, right? And... A Star Destroyer is 1,600 meters long. Do you, big, think the, big do you think those ships are, are that big? Yes, I think so. I, I don't know. So maybe, maybe my count should be much, much higher because the, the total crew count on a Star Destroyer is, hang on, 27,850 enlisted troops, 9,700 stormtroopers, and 9,235 officers, 46,785 people on one Star Destroyer. Okay, maybe not that. I don't know. It's like the thing is because like they dwarf all the other ships like when you see them around. Yeah. And it's hard. You think about like all the people attached to like just Able Squad, and then you think the Able Squad has just one of those hangars in the front of the Resolute, and it's like, what is it, like five by five or something like that? Yeah, I I just I, have no idea. I don't I don't get the same sense of size from an exo carrier that I do from a star destroyer, and may, yeah. that that might just be because like they don't do a good as good a job as Star Wars does at setting up that scale. Because right. like you see, you constantly see star destroyers 
like next to other ships. I get right. I get more of like the the like yeah, you know, go 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 a little deep Star Wars, like the rebellion side of things, like the Corellian frigates and things like that, those sizes. Because when those things pull up next to a Star Destroyer, they're not even like half as big. Right, right. Yeah, it's like I mean, you do see like you see them with frigates sometimes, and the frigates are a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I mean, like I don't think it's unreasonable to think there's about like five thousand people in something like, like the Resolute. Yeah. Um, because I'm looking at it, it's it's four by six or six by four, so it's um twenty four hangars. Um, so you think about all the support staff, and it's like I'm assuming like each one is attached to like a company of jump troops and like. And just like all the like gunnery and everything else. And like you think about how massive that hangar is, right? Like and that hangar is just like one tiny dot on the front of the resolute, right? Yeah. Well and it it goes like I think XKCD that's it's a comic online figured out that you could fit the entire population of Earth if you packed them tightly enough in a in like three quarters of Rhode Island. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> So, like some Kowloon walled city shit going on. Yeah, basically. So, like, I mean, it would suck, but like, just to think, like, if you could pack that many people in that small a space, it's right. not. It's not really unfathomable that there could be way more people on those ships than I think they are. Yeah, I'm just. Yeah. I ballparked it at a thousand because it was a nice round number. But yeah. maybe some. Maybe someday we'll actually get a. I'll, I'll email Will Mignot and be like, "How many people actually died?" <laughs> I wonder if there's any like super fans out there that have figured this out. If you're listening, like let us know. Like, how big are these boats? How many people do you think are on there? Um, I think the Sovereign, I'm looking at it online. There's an Exo Squad wiki. And I think this, yeah, first Exocarrier lost to the Neo Sapiens. I think it's the that's the name of the one that gets like blown up right at the start. Maybe the wiki here has some uh some information. No. It doesn't say how many people are on. Mm-hmm. We'll find out. These are the burning questions we need answers to. Yeah, I know, right? I know. Uh, it's just, it's just someone's done this calculation, surely. It's, it's too good a show for someone not to have. Um, the other, the other name I looked up. Uh, I should have, I should have brought this up when we were talking about the Neo Sapien names. Is Marsala? Uh, yeah. It, th- the only thing I can find about that name is it is a city on the very western tip of Sicily, um, hmm. and it ha- it's it's built on the ruins of some older city, uh, huh. Lilibaum. It's an old Carthaginian city, hmm. and it it has something to do with uh, sirens. Like that's where the Argonauts sailed past the sirens and couldn't resist their charm. Interesting. That's cool. Yeah. Did not know that. Yeah. I always wondered about that too, like where his name came from. Because everyone else, I, I I haven't looked up Phaeton. Maybe I'll do that for the next episode. But uh the uh all of them have really cool referential names. Yeah. Yeah. Uh there will there will be a pre-recorded bit of this at the beginning of the episode, but uh, obviously everyone we have a we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash EM network. Uh, please go there. And if you want to fo- if you want to help us out with a few bucks to help us get some better equipment and keep making these episodes, we'd really greatly appreciate it. We also yeah. have Facebook, uh, Twitch. All those links will be 
included in show notes. And yeah, we, we appreciate anyone looking there, listening to us. And if you can like subscribe, all that stuff on YouTube and leave a comment on any, on the service you're listening to. That's very important for getting the show out in front of other people. Uh, when you get, get that kind of engagement, those services tend to show your shows on the pages and advertisements that they put forth. So yeah. Uh, any help yep. there is greatly appreciated. And with that, I hope everyone does well in these times. Uh, happy late Thanksgiving. You know, that'll date this recording a little bit, but you know, <laughs> it, it's uh, good to say. And uh, everyone stay safe, happy, and healthy. Yep. Cheers. Thank Thanks you. for listening, friends. Bye. 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 Bye.